Amen. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no revelation, or you can use the word vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. And then over to Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning at verse 2, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen? I want you to keep standing for just a moment. Now, last week we started um, talking about preparing to see, preparing to see. And we're continuing with this, this particular series, preparing to see. But I want you to ask your neighbor a question. If you will, just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what is a vision? That's what we want to talk about today. What is a vision? Fathers, in the name of Jesus, that we give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, and we thank you, we honor you for who you are, for you alone are worthy. There is no other God but you. Thank you for your presence in this place on today. And Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that everyone that is here that's under the sound of my strained voice will be blessed and made better when they leave this place than when they came. Touch right now, God, not only the people, but touch me now. Father, give me the strength to preach your gospel. Touch right now, Father. Give me the strength to preach your gospel. Touch right now, Lord. And I give you the glory. Make us able to handle it in Jesus' name. Hide me behind the cross so that man see less of me, but see the glory that you are. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seen in the house of the Lord. I certainly don't intend to preach very long. I'm having some congestion issues and and so, um, just bear with me. Last week, last week, um, we talked about vision. We sort of did this introduction to vision. And ushers, you may rest your feet. Uh, we did this introduction to vision. And last week, um, I gave you uh, vision, V-I, v- visions, V-I-S-I-O-N-S. Anyone remember it from last week? The V, vital, the first I, information, S, Strategically, I, influencing, O, our, in, next, S, steps. So vital information strategically influencing our next step. So last week we talked about vision is what we see and the way we see it, and we're continuing that same thought today. Vision is not prophecy. Now, although a prophet is a visionary, vision is not prophecy. A prophet is a visionary, but vision is not prophecy. Okay? A vision, a, a prophet speaks for, speaks to the people on behalf of God. Amen. He speaks clearly to the people on behalf of God about direction. A vision, a vision is not a dream. Okay? Dreams are nocturnal perspectives. Dreams are nocturnal perspectives. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, a vision is not a dream. 
Now, it's important to have dreams. It's important to have, to have aspirations. Um, but let me just be honest about my own self and my own dreams. Uh, my dreams, uh, Brother Randall, have been pretty lofty, the ones that I've had at night. They have. You know, my dreams have been pretty lofty. Uh, someone might say they've been quite unrealistic because they, they are just one subconscious view. You know, here's, try this. I want you to try this experiment. I want you to try this experiment. I've done this, and, I, and from my own assessment, I've, I've proven that it works, this theory. I want you, I want you to this week, if you have, if you can so remember, this week, look at a magazine or a video or something that has the car of your dreams, okay? Look at that video or watch that or, or the house of your dreams. Say something that you just like, if I had unlimited resources, Okay, unlimited resources, not unlimited source, because God is our source. I'm saying resources, all right? So, unlimited resources. If I had all the money that I wanted, I, this is what I would go and purchase, okay? I want you to do that every night this week, okay? Every night this week, if you can, all right? And I want you to, uh, the next morning, catalog or write down how many times did you dream about that? Because oftentimes, what we put in our perspective that we see over and over again, we begin to dream about at night. Just, I'm just being honest. Just be, okay, let me, let me back up. Now, uh, Deacon Foster says, is this an age appropriate for children? I say, yes, it is. So, so kids, so uh, let me back up. Uh, hopefully, no one that's under the, the appropriate age has not watched any gory horror movies, but in case you have, one of the dangerous things that happens is that when you watch those movies, especially when you watch them at night, you may have a nightmare because what you've been putting in your eye is what your subconscious mind is going to fixate on when you are resting. Amen. So, so that's a dream. So I want you to try that this week. You got your experiment? I want you to try and just write down how many times do you... Now, I'm not talking about you just look at like, okay... I'm talking about you really looked at it. You, you studied the specs of it. You picked out your color. I'm talking about if you really could get that, you picked out every, everything aspect about that you want, you know? I already know Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff with that Titan SD. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want you to do that, okay? So vision. Vision is a clear heavenly perspective that presents a preferable future that God imparts is how we view God, ourselves, and our circumstances. So, I'm going to say that one more time. Vision is a clear heavenly perspective that presents a preferable future that God imparts it's how we view God, how we view ourselves, how we view our circumstances. You're going to get that, that last phrase in just a minute. I'm going to, I have some slides on that. But I want you to get this. Vision is a clear, heavenly perspective. Heavenly perspective. One of the things that happens is when we dream is that we don't always have a heavenly perspective. Let's be honest about it. 
We know what we want, but a heavenly perspective is about what we need. Amen. 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 All right? <laughs> a heavenly perspective is about what we need. We know what we want. Now, I know you're going to say, but the Bible says that he'll give you the desires of your heart. You're exactly right. That's when your heart aligned with his will. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the perfect, and acceptable will of God. He says that you got to change your mind. Your mind has to be in line with God if you're going to prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. Amen? And so, there are three aspects of vision. Three aspects of vision. Okay? One is God. God. Vision comes from God. It doesn't come from a magazine of you looking at your house. It doesn't come from a magazine of you looking at your car. Vision, vision. We're not talking about, we're not talking about a dream. We're talking about vision. You are aware of what you're seeing. Dreams are nocturnal. You are asleep. Your subconscious has gotten to another place and is able to filter in some things or filter out some things. But when it comes to vision, you are awake. You see because your vision comes from God. That's the first aspect. Remember, it says how do is how we view God. The next one is self. Self. Another aspect of vision is self. And when it comes to self, it's our priorities, it's our spiritual giftings that helps us to focus on our vision. Our priorities and our spiritual giftings to help us to focus on our vision. Now, how many in here, if you, those of us that are, you know, especially of age, how many have ever done a spiritual gifts assessment? Okay, just a few. All right. Okay, do you remember what your giftings are? You do? Okay, do you see yourself being pushed and pulled towards whatever? Okay. All right. How many have ever done, uh, for work, you may have done a strength finder? Or you may have done a a professional uh, work characteristic about yourself, whether you are north or south, the east or west, your tendencies and those things. Well, here's the thing. That's your makeup. You know, when we do a spiritual gifts assessment or you do a strength finder, or you do any of those things, it's about who you, who you are intrinsically, extrinsically, who you are no matter what. Because you're supposed to look at that circumstance or that question and say, no matter what, this is how I would, I would deal with it. That's who you are. So when we, are, when we talk about self in the aspect of vision, we're talking about every part of us, our priorities. What is your greatest priority? You got to ask yourself that question. What is my greatest priority? What is a, what is, a, let, let, me, let, me just, let me just literally ask the question, and I want you all to ponder, uh, what is, as a parent, your greatest priority? What is it as a spouse, your greatest priority? What is it as a son or daughter, your greatest priority? What is it as a student, your greatest priority? What is it as a relative to someone, your greatest priority? What is it as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your greatest priority? Are those questions that we often ask ourselves? Let's just be honest. No, we don't. At least I know I don't, and, you know, I'm just being honest. 
But those are the questions that we have to, we have to be able to answer. We have to sit down and, and, and really answer those questions. What are our greatest priorities? As a father, as a father, one may say as a father who's, who's a pastor and a principal, they say that my greatest priority for my children is to make sure they get an education. No, sir, it was not. My greatest priority was that they saw a godly person and that they come to a real and relevant relationship with God themselves. That reason why you all have heard me say that when, when all three of my daughters were saved, got saved, I could go to glory because I knew my greatest priority had been filled, which for them to accept Jesus Christ. Now, secondary is the education. Secondary is for them to not bump their heads. Secondary is for them to not go out and get unnecessary debt. Secondary is for them to learn from, from pastor's mistake, from daddy's mistake, so that they don't repeat them. But the first one is for them to accept Christ. Do you believe that some people first party for their children is not that? It's for them to be the only person that starts on the football team, the only person that starts on the basketball team. Their part is about how cute they are. Their part is about how dressed they are. Their part is not about them being raised as a God-fearing young man or woman. What is your first priority? Now, here's the thing in the house. Here's in the house. My first priority is not my children in my house. Guess what God tells me my first priority is supposed to be? In my house. It's my spouse. My spouse is my first priority. Because before there were children, God purposed that there should be a spouse. Now, we get things out of order. We do. We do. Lady Cindy and I have been married for 12 years. God, thank God for, amen, 12 wonderful years. 12 wonderful years. And in those 12 years, we don't have children together. Okay? So, so the, we've, been to, we've been married. For 12 years. Well, my children are, are 19, no, how old? 20 and 18. No, Cross turns 19, Cross turns 19 next week, this, this week. She turns 19 this week. Okay, so on the ninth, she turns 19. Okay. But 20 and, 20 and 18, her daughter is 25. Okay? Now, here's the thing. When I met Lady Sin, I had my kids. When she met me, she had her daughter. But when we came together, the party was no longer, the first party in the household was no longer just, or it wasn't supposed to be. Any longer just the children, it's supposed to be me and her and the children. I'll just tell you what the word says. That's, you know, that's what the Bible teaches us. Okay? So we got when it comes to us having these aspects of vision, we got to put self. We got to really look at self. What are my main priorities? Why do I want God to bless me? Is it because, so that I can go out and floss in front of everybody? Or is it really because I want to be a blessing to somebody? Come on, let's just be honest. You know what? Some, some folks look for a good man so that the last man they had will understand that they got a better one. nobody. I'm just telling the truth, y'all. There's folks out there. There's folks out there. Some men look for, some men look for a prettier woman so that everybody understand that they, they went up. They didn't step down. Okay, so now I balance the scale. Okay, self. Then the third one, let me keep going on. Third one is circumstances. Circumstances. Vision begins in our present moment. Okay, listen to this carefully. We talked about God. He's the giver of vision. Okay, he imparts it. It comes from him. 
We talked about self. We got to know what are our priorities. We got to know where, what are our priorities. What are the things that God has even gifted us with so that we can focus. I, I love that uh, she said focus is our word this week. Circumstances. Vision begins in our present moment. I need you to understand. If you're going to prepare to hear, you got me prepared to see. You got to catch where you are in the present moment. So that means you have to face problems to solve them. Let me let me say that. If you are going to deal with, I'm teaching good. Okay, all right. If you are going to deal with vision, if you're going to prepare to see, okay, you need to understand. The vision begins in our present moment. That means I have to face the problems that are right before me. Amen. Okay? Now, not only must you face the problems that you have before you, the problems that you have right presently, but you also have to, and this one gets us a lot of times, you also have to acknowledge obstacles of the past to overcome them. Not that you're living in your past, but you have to acknowledge the obstacles of the past that may have created some present problems that you're dealing with. Let's just be honest. Amen. Let me just use myself for example. If I, if I'm 43 years of of age, y'all notice I say my age quite a bit now because God, I really appreciate being 43. I'm smarter. I'm smarter than what I used to be. Amen. Amen. I'm 43 years of age. Now, when I was, when I was in college, I made a lot of bad, mis- bad decisions. Amen. Y'all can, y'all can say amen with me. I made a lot of bad decisions. A lot of bad decisions. And unfortunately, some of those bad decisions have shaped my life over the past 20-something years. And when I've been preparing for this message, I've been noticing, man, that was a, that's, that's an obstacle from a long time ago. But I'm still dealing with it. Because the truth is, I haven't really, I had not really acknowledged it. Had not really acknowledged it. You know, I acknowledged the ones that I thought were big and grand, but I didn't acknowledge the, the you know, the subsurface ones. You know, there's some subsurface ones that you have to be willing to deal with. Let me, give you, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. If you have an ingrown hair, anybody ever had one of those? Not an ingrown toenail, ingrown hair. Okay, you, you cut your hair or, or something, you had an ingrown hair. If that hair that's ingrown, that means that it came out and went back in, right? Am I right, Pastor Jeff? Okay, it went back in. If that hair is not able to get out of that place where it's not supposed to be, it will continue to grow. It's not going to stop growing. It's not going to stop growing. And before you, go, before you know it, you go from a small pimple where it can turn into almost the size of a boil. Infected. And all those things. And, and then, but here's the thing. In order to cure that problem that started out as a small ingrown hair that all you had to do was get some tweezers and plug it out. And now you have to go through surgery, and you have to lacerate that thing, drain it, then pull all that out and go through years or, I mean, go through days, weeks, or possibly months of recovery because you failed to deal with it when it was small. 
failed to deal with it when it was small. Children, I need you to grab this. You got to deal with your, you got to deal with the things now while they're small so that you don't wake up with your, when you're 40s and you say, you know what, I wish I should, are you singing your shoulda, wouldas, and your couldas? You got to deal with them now. Let me, let me give you one of the greatest things. You all have heard me say that my freshman year of college, I, that I was on academic probation. You all heard me preach about that before. It's not something that I'm proud of, I'm proud of overcoming. I'm proud of overcoming. Okay? And the reason why I was on academic probation after my freshman year is that I enjoyed, you know, I majored in spades and dominoes. I majored in spades and dominoes. Yeah. I don't, even, I don't play spades with Lady Sin. She can't be my partner. Lady Sin can't be my partner because I'm like, you, you know, you're not, don't be looking at those books talking about you might have two and you sitting over there with all the aces. No, you, baby, you got to learn how to work them four. You got four. Four of them. So I don't play with Lady Sit. I don't play with Lady Sit. She done messed around, reneged, and everything like. Uh, but I made I made you the spades and dominoes. I made you the spades and dominoes. I went to Boston before I even knew it. Y'all got it. Thirteen. When you get them up, you get you run a Boston. You run a Boston. I, <laughs> I'm hip. All these young folks looking at it like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Y'all need to learn how to play spades and dominoes. Uh-huh. You lock, you lock down the board on dominoes, and you know everybody else got all the big stuff, and you don't lock it down with some ones and twos. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, okay. But I majored in dominoes. And so, but the thing is, is that, what made, it so, what made it so difficult is that when I went to college, I did not really understand that I didn't know how to study. I did not know how to study. And so what I thought was sufficient enough to get me by, because it worked when I was in high school. It was sufficient enough to get me to the 3.0 in high school. I thought it was sufficient enough to get me by in college when the expectations had gone up. You see what I'm saying? But because I never acknowledged that I really didn't know how to do it until it had almost gotten too late, then I had to regroup myself. But if I had focused when it was small, are you seeing what I'm saying? So, young people, what I'm saying is that you got to start now. When it's small, when it's small. Here's the thing. You cannot wait to start cleaning up when you get your own house. Start cleaning the room that you got right now at your mom and them house. And all the, all the grown folks are here saying, amen. <laughs> listen, 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 one of the things that I learned, one of the things that I learned, and, and, uh, and I sure hated to come to church in a dirty truck today because I told Lady Sin I need to go wash my truck because I, I, I do, I keep, I keep my vehicle clean. I keep my vehicle clean. I assist when needed on other folks' vehicle, but I keep my vehicle clean. But let me tell you the reason, let me tell you how that started. Let me tell you how that started. That started, be, that started before I even had a car. Because, you know, when I grew up in, when, where I grew up is in the country. And those that have been down to Chittister, you know, you know it's country. Where I grew up, you, you went to town 
once a week or once every other week. You didn't go to town very often. But what I learned is daddy would say, get out there and wash that car. Your mama got to go to town. So I learned from my father telling me, make sure the car looks presentable for where we're trying to go. And so before I even got a car, I knew how to keep it clean that wasn't even mine. What my point is, is that when God blessed me to get the ridge line that I wanted, then I know how to keep it clean, not because now I got it, now that I've arrived, but because I've been preparing along the way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, if you don't take care of the one-bedroom apartment you have, no use in worrying about a 3,000-square-foot house that you... Are you... I'm just saying, circumstances, you got to deal with your past. You got to deal with your past. You got to face your problems now in order for God to have to deal with, see where God is taking us. Okay, vision. Vision. What's the next slide, Brother Cornell? I can't remember how I had them in order. All right, there we go. I want you to watch this video. Very fitting. Watch this video. It's only a minute and a half long. Sister Jenna, we didn't talk about focus or anything, did we? We did not meet. We did not visit, have no conversation. But I want you to understand, vision is the lens that interprets the events of our life. And it's how we see ourselves futurely in the respect to God. Now, you saw in that video, and you know, they would distort some of the words a little bit along the way. With any lens, we can get smudges and scratches, which distorts our view. Amen. What can distort it? Past issues. And even present situations can create image problems that make seeing unclear. It can make it seem it can make it seeing unclear. Okay? So the question becomes how do you or how do we clear up our lenses? How do we clear up the lenses of our life? And it's one word, one five letter word that we have to hold on to. That's heart. We have to address the heart of the matter, which is that the heart matters. I'll say that one more time. We have to address the heart of the matter, which is that heart matters. So I'm going to share with you two scriptures, and I'm going to keep moving on. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 27, 19 says, As the water reflects the face, so once. Listen to this. As the water reflects the face. You ever been, you ever looked at yourself in a sink of water? You see your reflection. As the water reflects the face, so once life reflect the heart. Okay? I don't know about you. But if you have ever met someone that just struggles to be nasty, I mean, struggles to be kind, they're just always nasty. They, I'm talking about, they don't have to work at being nasty and mean because that's what flows from their heart. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our mind receives the images from our eyes, but our heart interprets those in images. So, when I said the heart matters, the reason why it matters is that some of us, our hearts have been damaged. Our hearts have been damaged. And now, in our, instead of us having care, compassion, concern, 
instead of us having loving, loving kindness, instead of us having long suffering, instead of us having those things in our heart, now we become bitter. We become jealous. We, we hurt. And so when hurt people hurt, guess what they do? Hurt people. When hurt people hurt, they hurt people. And we become infected. It's like that, it's like that hair that, was, that we didn't deal with at the beginning. And now it's become infected. The lens of our heart becomes distorted when we allow those things to happen. Now, let me just tell you, I've been done wrong by a lot of folks. Anybody else in here been done wrong by a lot of folks? I'm talking about done wrong, dirty, just low down, dirty by a lot of people. But the one thing I, the one thing I, can, I can control is my response to that. I can control my, not only my external response, because just because you add the food doesn't mean I have to add the food. Okay, children, young folks, learn this. Learn this. Learn, please learn this from an administrator. Please learn this from an administrator. Let's say that you're in the hallway, okay, because this is all going to heart. Let's say that you're in the hallway, you're in middle school, high school, you're in the hallway, and a teacher hears you, sees you going off on somebody, yelling, cussing, screaming, all those things on somebody. Now, when you're brought to the office, you, when you're brought to the office, the, you know, a good administrator is going to say, hey, what happened? What was going on? What was going on? What was going on? Well, she did this, he did this, da-da-da-da-da, and that's the reason why I did this. And the response is going to be, that's not appropriate. Yes, we may deal with the other person, but there's going to be a consequence to your response because that was not appropriate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this. Yes, we may tell our children, if somebody hits you, you may hit them back. But understand, there's a consequence for that response. Y'all, come on. There's a consequence for that response. Let me, let me, okay, let me bring it to, let me bring it to grown folks, folks, from grown folks' place. If somebody hits your car, I bet you don't get in your car, turn it around and hit their car, do you? Why not? Because that's not appropriate in the response. Even though you may be mad, you may be, I'm talking about you may be fish grease mad. You hot. But you won't respond that way. You're not going to respond that way. Somebody cut you off in line while you try to get on the freeway. You're not going to speed up and all of a sudden get in front of that car and cut them off, are you? I hope you wouldn't because that's not an appropriate response. That's not an appropriate response. That's not a, a, an appropriate response. That's not an appropriate response. Somebody mess up your order at the, at the restaurant. You're not going to stand up like, oh, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, you better fix my order. That's not appropriate because they can take your food back there and do something to it before they bring it back to you. That's not an appropriate response. That's not an appropriate response. My whole point is, is that when we don't, when we start uh, exercising inappropriate responses, our heart began to gravitate to those things automatically. It does. It does. So how do you deal with people that hurt you? How do you deal with people that harm you? How do you deal with people that, that do things? Well, I know it's hard, but you have to train your heart to respond like Jesus responded. When Jesus was hung on the cross, we talked about this in Bible study this morning. When Jesus was hung on the cross, his response was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
He didn't retaliate. He didn't do anything. He says, just forgive them. He, as a matter of fact, while he was on the cross, he didn't yell down, hey, y'all, you, you know what you're doing. He didn't do any of that. He just said, Lord, forgive them. That's the appropriate response. So, I'm almost done. Have I blessed anybody today? Vital, informa vital information strategically influencing our next steps. So, I got four things I want you to write down. Okay? Number one, vision is for everyone. Vision is for every believer. Write that down. Vision is for every believer. Or take a picture. <laughs> vision is for every believer. Okay? Vision is our plan for the future. Notice. Notice that I said it's our plan, not just a hope. It's not just a desire. Vision gives you a blueprint for the hope you have. Biblical vision is essential to successful living. I need you to understand that vision is for every believer. God desires for every believer to have a vision for their life. Every believer, young and old, big and short, oh, everybody. He, he, he desires for everybody to have a vision for their life. It's a blueprint. It's a blueprint. Okay? Now, how many of you would go into a 30-story high-rise building that someone just threw up without any kind of plans or preparation. Oh, but they used all the right materials. Why not? It may not be stable. You, 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 thank you, Jesus. Lord, Lord, Lord is blessing today. Amen. He blesses every day, but I'm talking about he's showing up making clear today. It may not be stable because that's what happens when our life. Why, why is it that our life is so unstable? Because we're not, we're not having a plan, a blueprint of where God is trying to take us. We're trying to get, we're trying to get somewhere haphazardly. You, you know, it's just like before we had GPS on the phone. I think it's down over there. If you go down, go down, look at your, look at your domino now. If you go down about two miles, you ought, to see, you ought to see a tree hanging over the road. Now, if you get to that tree that's hanging over the road, you're going too far. So I need you to back up about a tenth of a mile, and you should see it on the left-hand side, hiding behind. Are you seeing? But that's how, that's how we, we treat life sometimes. That's how we treat life sometimes. We don't, we don't necessarily have a blueprint for our life, a plan that God has imparted to us. Why is that important? Jeremiah 29, 11 says that for I know, listen, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. Who says that? The God, God says that he said plans to prosper you, to give you a future and expect the end, not to harm you. He said, I know the plans I have for you. But listen, Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call on me and I will answer you. What? You mean to tell me, you, I just read, you know the plans that you have for me, and now I'm reading that if I talk to you about what you have in store for me, you will be able to, what? Is it that? Yes, that's how God works. That's how God works. That's how God works. He tells us exactly what he wants to do in our life. He will show us that. He will give us a vision for our life. Now, any child in here, if your parent says, I want you to start doing some new chores next week, what's the first question you're going to ask? 
Well, that shouldn't be the first question, but <laughs> what are they? They should be, what are they? Because if you're going to do new chores, you have to what? Know what the chores are. Why? Oh, good Lord. We just, fe- we just fell over. We were rolling along well. What are they? Yeah, that's true. What are they? What are they? Because if they're, going, if they're tasked to do something different, they have to know what the different is. They have to know what the different is. Listen to this. P.K. PK Bernard says, oh, my God, I love this. A man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. That's by P.K. Bernard. A man without a vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. If nothing else, when we're finished with all of this, if nothing else, when we're finished with are you prepared to see, if nothing else, when we're finished with uh, getting vision, prayerfully, if nothing else, those of us that are parents, we will have a vision for our long life and for our children's life. If nothing else, I pray that we have that. I pray that we have that. I don't want to return to my past. I don't want to return to planting everything in order to eat. I don't want to return to that. I don't want to return. I don't want to return to 13 channels on the TV. I'm just being honest and real with you. Can I be honest? I don't want to return to that. Y'all, anybody remember 13 channels on the TV? That's all. I'm talking about you were lucky to get 13. If a cloud came up, you just lost three of them. Let it get cloudy outside. You just lost three of them. Let it rain. You ain't getting number one. That's about it. I don't want to return to that. But if, I'm, if I don't have a future perspective about how to handle my finances, then before I know it, I'm going to be trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. Or better yet, I'm going to be stealing from James so, so that I could get a gun to rob Peter so I could pay Paul. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Okay, so the second thing is vision bridges the, tense, the tenses of our life. Vision bridges the tenses of our life. Our life has past tense, present tense, and future tense, right? Past tense, present tense, future tense. Our present tense will serve as a bridge to walk from the past to the future. What you do right now bridges your past and your future. The reason why it's so important, what you, how valuable you treat your day today. Okay? Vision is the eye of faith to see the invisible, a decision to get it started, and a motivation to make it happen. I'll say that one more time. Vision is the eye of faith to see the invisible, a decision to get it started, and a motivation to make it happen. Vision bridges the tenses of our life. And thirdly and finally, finally, vision is life's painting. Vision is life's painting, standing all over the room. Listen, I've never been much of an artist, but I've been blessed that my brother is, um, is very talented. Not only is he a musician, but he's also an artist. He, he, he paints. Um, and he would take art classes. Uh, my mother, my mother and father sacrificed for him to take art classes. 
in order to take art classes when we were still going to school at Children's before we consolidated. Because there was no one at, at the school that would, that could, that could enhance his abilities, his talent. He could draw, he could do all those things. And so when, there would be sometimes I would go down with him when he would go down to Camden to take art classes. But I remember, I remember the first class that he had was just a canvas. That's all he was given, a canvas. He was given a canvas. The next class, he was given a canvas and some supplies. Now you're like, uh. now, yeah, they talked about all his previous drawings. He showed all those things. But before he ever painted anything, he was given canvas. He was given supplies. And then before he ever did anything else, he was told to look at the canvas and imagine an image of something that doesn't yet exist. Look at it. Imagine an image or whatever it is that does not exist. It's not there yet, but imagine it. And then she told him, once you got to imagine, start sketching it out on the canvas. Sketch it out on the canvas. So he would take a, a graphite pencil, and he would sketch out on the canvas, on the canvas, the image that he had in his mind's eye that did not exist yet. He would sketch it out. And then the next thing that he would do, the next thing that she would tell him to do, okay, now you have it sketched out. Now you fill in all the details. Now you fill in the details with the colors that you see. What do you mean the colors that I see? He has a black and white picture there. But he had been given a vision of what that picture was going to turn into. And so he had to take he had to take these basic colors that he had, red, you know, Roy G. Roy G. Bill, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Those are the only colors he had. Had seven colors. But what if he wanted turquoise? He had to learn how to take colors that went together to mix to make the color that he wanted. Thank you, Jesus. What I'm saying to you is that life, the vision is like a painting. If you haven't at least started trying to, trying to get a canvas, you got to start there. Because some of us, are, some of us, my, myself, some of us are still trying to ruffle through canvases. They got smudges on them. They dirty. They nasty. Guys, we got to get rid of those. Those are not going to work. Here's the thing about it. Once, once a canvas has something on it, you can never clean it off. Are you hearing me? Once it has something on it, you can never clean it off. So that's where we have to go. That's where we have to be willing to face the obstacles of our past and say, Lord, you know what? I can't use this canvas anymore. I got to get rid of it. I need a fresh canvas. Here's one of the other problems is that my brother's first painting was about the size of this. But by the time he finished, he painted a, he did a painting that was two large canvases that went behind my mama's couch. He didn't start there. He started here. Vision is like, vision is to start at the, at the, at the first place. Start with, start with, you know what, Lord? I want to change the canvas of how I treat my spouse. I want to change that canvas. So let me start right there. I want to change the canvas of how I treat my teachers. I know, I sna- you know what? My teacher go left and I go right and I snap back. No, let's change the canvas. Change the canvas. You know what? I want to change the canvas of how I interact with my children's teachers. 
Why should I always have to wait for them to email me? It's okay. I can, I can, sit, I can sit there and email myself. Change the canvas. And here's the greatest one. Lord, I'm going to start with this little small canvas. Because I've been expecting that when all you've been calling to me is this. I keep talking about a big wall, but you're saying, can I get five minutes? Change the canvas of your relationship with just five minutes with God. If you are preparing to see, you got to sacrifice something for just five. Just start with the smallest that you can, five minutes. Give God five great, strong, powerful minutes. And watch what he does with your five minutes. Just watch what he does. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I thank you and I honor you. I give you glory. For you alone are worthy. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord. And Father, as we prepare to see, make it clear, make it plain to us that we will write the vision in such a way that we can run with it when it's laid out before us. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise in Jesus' name.